Well, I think we are now just days away, almost feels like hours away from Christmas, but um, I want to continue our Advent series from the Gospel of Luke by looking at what happened right before Christmas Day 2,000 years ago, Um, how the message came to Mary how the message came to Mary that she would conceive, be conceived as a, vir- as a virgin with Jesus, the Son of God. Uh, really, when you think of the incarnation, the fact that God, the Son of God eternal, came in the flesh as a human being, it really kind of begins here. It really begins at conception, right? Not the actual birth. Um, the uh, people sometimes argue about whether Jesus was born on December 25th. And uh, just the little research I've done of it, um, I would say the chances are about 1 in 365 that he was born on uh, December 25th. Uh, unless it was a leap year, which I have to figure out. But, um, but does it really matter? Because the incarnation began nine months before Christmas Day. And so the likelihood on December 25th was that Jesus was in the womb at some point, right? Because that's three, nine months is three-fourths of the year. So most likely on December 25th, we can celebrate that Jesus was in this world, in the womb, getting ready for birth. In fact, the four Gospels don't put the emphasis so much on the birth of Jesus either. Matthew, which we heard a little bit about during the Advent reading, emphasizes the genealogy primarily. Mark, the Gospel of Mark and the Gospel of John, don't mention it at all. It's not even in there at all. And we're looking here today at Luke, which the emphasis here is not so much on the actual birth, but on who Jesus is. Who is this child who's entering into our world? Let's look at Luke chapter 1, 26 to 38, how the message comes to Mary. In the sixth month... The angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. 
This is the word of the Lord. We see here is who Jesus is. He is the Son of God who reigns over an eternal kingdom. He is the Son of God who reigns over an eternal kingdom. First, uh, don't be afraid. The good news, the good news is that Jesus Christ is born. That's 26 to 30. Then Jesus is the Son of God and his kingdom is forever. Explains who Jesus is. And then third, the Holy Spirit is at work using us in our faithfulness. But first, don't be afraid. The good news is here. The good news that Jesus Christ has come to us. It comes to Mary. It says in the sixth month. That's referring to the sixth month of Elizabeth. Elizabeth was pregnant with John the Baptist. Uh, That was what was talked about in the very previous section. And Gabriel, who is an angel, comes and appears to Mary. The same angel that appeared to Zechariah to tell him about John the Baptist. And comes to uh, that this child was going to come be born um, in Bethlehem. Will be raised in Nazareth. And this appearance comes there in Nazareth. What is Nazareth? It's sort of a no-name town. The only reason why we probably know what Nazareth is is because of the birth of Jesus, because of the life of Jesus. Um, it would have been a small, it's not a, it's not a New York City, uh, it's not a Chicago, it's not a Boston, it's more like a Bradford. I mean, it's not a, not a town, since I'm, you know, I grew up on the Haverhill side, I got to bash Bradford every once in a while. Um, but that this child will, uh, this appearance happens in Nazareth and he appears to Mary who is a virgin who is betrothed. Betrothal, at that time, was a legal engagement. So when we get engaged, we don't go register and say it's now legally binding. That's what they did back then. You didn't live together. uh, You were not married yet, but you were legally bound. In order to break that engagement, it actually took a a form of divorce to do so. She's betrothed to Joseph, who is of the house of David. And why is that important? Because he is, even though he's a carpenter, he is of the kingly line. There is no active king, son of David, right now, uh, right now in the text here, um, set up. In fact, no king was allowed because of Caesar, except for sort of a puppet king, Herod, underneath the Caesar. But here is the lineage, the heritage, that leads straight back to David, right to Joseph's son, though not biologically, certainly by every right, Jesus. The angel appears to Mary and says, greetings. That's the normal way to greet. Nothing's uh, said apart about that. But then says, you are favored. Which literally means God's grace, his special unmerited favor is upon you. And the Lord is with you. In a very special way. Obviously the Lord is with all of his people. But he's saying something very special, unique is happening to you. And it says that Mary was troubled. Um, Why is she troubled? Well, she's wondering why am I favored? Why am I sort of singled out? Um, Why is the Lord with me in particular? Uh, But of course, probably what maybe freaked her out the most is that an angel appeared to her, right? Where did this angel come from? Uh, But he says, do not fear. I've not come to bring you bad news, but good news. Before we move on, we're we're fascinated, I think, by angels. Fascinated by angels. The truth is, we don't know a lot about angels. Uh, The the only thing we know about angels is when their, their existence sort of connects with our story. So the Bible is the story of us as human beings in relationship to God. 
how sin has broken our relationship, how God rescues us and brings us back into relationship with himself. And the only way we learn about angels is is how much they play into our story from piece to piece. I mean, I wish we could know more. There might be a a book about angels in heaven. Uh, We don't have that book, but we learn a little bit from them, about them as they interact with us. We know that they're messengers, the very term angelos, angel means messenger. They are described as ministering spirits. So they are spiritual beings, they're not physical, and they do the ministry work that God sets them out to do. Uh, They often appear in the Bible for a particular purpose, and they almost always don't have a name. Actually, in fact, I think there's only one other angel in all of Scripture that's given a name, and that's Michael in the Old Testament, and he appears again in the New. But here, Gabriel which means the Lord God is my strength, uh, comes and visits. Now, it could be bad news to see an angel. When we picture angels as fat little babies, that comes from Greek mythology, not from the Bible. All right? In the Bible, angels are very human-like. In fact, people often confuse them as with a human being. Uh, when the angels appear after the ascension of Jesus, it's just described as two men. Two men were there. So they're often confused with human beings, and they're often um, there for war or judgment. So in Revelation, they're there for war. Uh, We see the angel of death in the Old Testament. It isn't always such a good thing when an angel appears. But here we see this is good news. Don't be afraid, Mary. Something really important, something very valuable is happening. God didn't write a letter, didn't give a dream or a vision or speak through a prophet. He sends a very special angel, one of the very few that has a name that's given to us, to come and bring this good news. Christmas is really good news. <laughs> it's really good news. Uh, it's, it's better than the world tends to make it out. It's better than just Christmas spirit. It's better than just a time to do good and give to charity. It's better than eggnog. And it's better than Santa. Uh, I like Santa. Nothing against Santa. Uh, But this is even better news than Santa Claus. The bad news is already in the background. Why would Mary even think to be afraid when an angel shows up? Because she knows that this world is full of sin. Her own heart is full of sin, as all of ours are. It's full of suffering and judgment, and difficulty. But in that background, he says, I've come to bring good news. Don't be afraid. I come to bring you the message that Jesus Christ is coming into our world. Don't miss this. That's the point. Especially this Christmas, friends, we need to understand this. In the dark background of a fallen and broken world comes the light. A Savior, Jesus, who offers eternal life for those who turn to him in faith and trust in him. Teach your kids this, or your grandkids. All the other stuff is good. Let them have fun. Enjoy the presence, all that. But don't let them miss the real meaning behind this, that Jesus has come to us. Jesus is the Son of God, and his kingdom is forever. We get to the content of what this angel Gabriel wants to say to Mary in verses 31 to 33. Uh, He says, you will conceive, you will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. 
Why Jesus? Uh, Jesus means literally the Lord save. Yah is the name for the Lord. Shua, the, the Lord will save. And actually it's the same name, Joshua. We have a couple of Joshua, a few Joshua, I think three, I think, right, sitting in our sanctuary right now. And Joshua did what? He led the people of God into the promised land. There's a reason why Jesus is Joshua as well. He's the Lord saves. He's the one who will lead us into glory. He will be great. That's a very broad term. Uh, great, not as we expected. We looked at, at Simeon and Anna last week. Not like Alexander the Great. Not great in the worldly sense, but truly great. He will be called Son of the Most High. Later on, we learn about John the Baptist that he's called Prophet of the Most High. Much lower than Jesus who was called Son of the Most High. Why called Son of the Most High? I thought this was interesting. One commentator brought this out. Uh, He doesn't become Son of the Most High upon his birth. He already is the Son, eternal, who becomes incarnate. And he's recognized to be so and is called Son of the Most High by those who see with the eyes of faith. The Lord God gives him, it says here, the throne of David, which is important because we just learned that Joseph is, of course, a a descendant of David. Uh, He is to be the king who reigns on a throne. He reigns over Jacob. Jacob's another name for Israel. Jacob wrestled with God. The individual Jacob wrestled with God and was renamed Israel, which means he who strives or wrestles with God. But he says this king will have a kingdom that will never end. He's not like David. He's not like every other king of Israel's history. He's not like Caesar. Uh, He's not like Herod. He's not like Pontius Pilate. He's a king who reigns forever. Every other king in all of history has lived and died. But this king still reigns 2,000 years later. That sort of terminology, kings and queens, it's not as familiar with us today. Um, Although... A lot of countries and nations around the world still have kings. Of course, uh, the United Kingdom, it's called the kingdom, has a queen right now. Jordan, the country of Jordan, has a king. Belgium has a king. And of course, Genovia has a queen or a princess, right? Anyone get that reference? Sorry, that was a, that was a cheesy joke, but there is no Genovia. Uh, okay, we'll move right along. Uh, so... Uh, what we see, but still, that terms of that idea of kings and queens, that language is still familiar with us, right? We understand a monarchy, and we still watch Lord of the Rings and maybe Game of Thrones, and we still have this idea of kingship that all authority to govern is given to to one individual. And as Americans, we don't like that. We buck that sort of mentality because. In the back of our minds is King George III, right? Who tried to rule over us from across the sea and we didn't want any of that. It's because all kings are sinners and they fail. And they compete with one another. And they die and who knows will take over after them. But here's the promise of the perfect king. A king with no shadow with no sin, a king who never dies, a king who only died, perhaps more accurately, for us and in our place, but is risen forever. 
What about that type of king? What if all authority was given to a king who said, greatest in the kingdom of those who serve, who loves his people, loves his people enough to die for them? A king who would lead us into the promised land of eternity. That's the king that's promised here. The good news that this angel Gabriel gives and that we celebrate on Christmas has a very specific content. It's not just general. It's that the Son of God has come for us. And we know from the broader picture, as we learn from Simeon and Anna, that he comes to redeem us. He comes as a sacrifice for our sin. Clear about that. As Christians this Christmas, let's be clear about this to others, that our message as Christians is not just God in general. It's not just about magi and shepherds. That's part of the bigger story. It's about God with us. It's about the Son of the Most High come to rescue us from our sin and from darkness. And that his kingdom is forever, which means it's still going now. He is still Lord on his throne. And anyone can come to know the king. Believe, submit, and follow him. And he will lead us to the promised land. I love Mary's response, verses 34 to 38. The Holy Spirit is at work using us in our faithfulness. Mary's response brings out basically how this will happen how this king will enter this world. And she asks a very practical question. How's this going to happen since I'm a virgin? All right, so that's a pretty good question, Mary. Uh, it's going to take a miracle. God is going to do the impossible, as it says later on. Nothing is impossible with God. Elizabeth herself conceived in her old age, a different type of miracle. She had a husband. And yet here, God is going to take someone who's a virgin who will supernaturally bring this Savior into the world. And I love Mary's response at the end. I am the servant of the Lord. Actually, the English doesn't bring out how serious what she's saying there is. It's the Greek word doule, which means slave. I'm completely at your mercy, Lord, whatever it is that you will. Let it be as your word says. What an example to us of of faithfulness, right? Uh, I like what Matthew Henry says about Mary. Though we are not to pray to her, yet we ought to praise God for her. I think that's helpful. She's a a powerful example to us of of faith. Uh, We learned yesterday that Chris Haven's favorite hymn, uh, which I didn't know this before, was Trust and Obey. And somebody put in the comment section online that that was played at her baptism. Trust, which is a synonym of faith, and then obey. Let it be, Lord, as your word commands. The Holy Spirit works miracles. He works miracles. He does what is impossible to be done. Uh, It cannot be done without God. We see that with Elizabeth bringing John the Baptist into the world. We see that here with Mary bringing Jesus into the world. Uh, Friends, this is a time to think about the miraculous. Uh, This is not a 
a closed-off world physically. And Christmas, Christmas reminds us that God entered our world. He's working among us. Neither Elizabeth, nor Mary, nor Joseph, nor Elizabeth's husband, Zachariah, can force God to work. Can force his hand. But when God chooses to work, he works. However, what we can do is what Mary does here. When he's at work, we can respond with faithfulness and obedience to the Lord. The initiative is with him. But when he's at work, we can respond and say, Lord, I'm in your hands. I'm your servant. We're called to faithfulness as part of the kingdom. The Holy Spirit is at work in us. He uses us as part of his will. The Holy Spirit doesn't typically work without us. (laughs) But friends, for us to try to do the work without the Holy Spirit is even more futile. Mary ends up as a great example to us. She's human, just like us. Yet she's blessed, she's favored, and the Lord is with her. Friends, when God chooses you to do his work, to do ministry, whether that's just sharing a simple conversation with a neighbor or a friend, whether that's to engage and serve in open hearts or in a community group, whatever he calls you to, Look to Mary's example. I am your servant. Let it be according to your word. Be faithful and step by step follow the king. See how he uses you. I like what uh, Johnny Erickson Tata said. Great faith isn't the ability to believe long and far into the misty future. Sometimes that's what we maybe think real faith is. It's simply taking God at his word and taking the next step. Trusting him to lead us. I think 2020 has taught us anything, it's that. Don't plan too far into the future because you don't know what's to come. But God, we trust you today and tomorrow and then we'll do that the day after. Jesus is the son of God who reigns over an eternal kingdom. Christmas 2020. This may be one of the strangest, unique, and painful Christmases we have experienced as a church. The world has changed since 2019. And who knows what 2021 is going to look like and after that. But this we do know. Jesus has come into our world on Christmas 2,000 years ago. And the Son of God has set up an eternal kingdom that we get to be part of. And that doesn't change with a global pandemic. It doesn't change with an election. It doesn't change with the death of loved ones. It doesn't change with the turning of a new year. In fact, it's a kingdom that will last forever for all those who are in Christ. The king has come, the son of God, who reigns over an eternal kingdom. Would you pray with me?
Lord, we recognize that there is joy to the world because the Lord has come. Lord, we, I think, after all this time, sometimes can take for granted the reality that God is with us. Lord, that we have received Emmanuel, Jesus Christ, the Savior and the King. So maybe this year, Lord, remind us afresh. Remind us all over again, all anew, what Christmas is really all about. That into the darkness, light. And that through Christ, the true King, the King with no shadow and no sin and no end, that we are part of a kingdom that lasts forever. And even when we face the end of this life, which we all will do at some point, we're still under the King and we enter into his presence for eternity. Lord, in all the celebration that we enjoy this year, and may it be a glorious celebration in the midst of all that's happened this year, Lord, I think we can all use a great time of enjoying Christmas 2020. But in all that, Lord, help us to look to the Son of God in his eternal kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.